Hello, and welcome to the Missionary Disciple Podcast by Catholic Christian Airreach. The aim of this podcast is to inspire, equip, and challenge you, our listener, to be an active and effective evangelist. I'm your host, Gerhard, missionary here with CCO, and today, Michael, Ian, and myself sit down and we have a deeper conversation on mission in the upper half of the Intentional Accompaniment Framework. Before we get started, if you have any questions about evangelization, please email us at podcast at cco.ca and we'll answer them in a future episode. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to the podcast. Ian and Michael, it's good to see you again. Good to be here. Thanks to have us back again. Today, we are continuing our conversation on the top half of the intentional accompaniment framework, the, the IA hourglass, as we like to call it. Uh, last week, we talked about holiness, which is one half of the top half. And today, we're talking about the other half of the coin, mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before we dive in, I just want to, for those of you who may have not had heard the our previous intentional company episodes, I strongly encourage you to go back and listen. And I just want to say right now that holiness and mission are not two separate things. They're two sides of the same coin. You cannot have a coin that only has one side. If we want to raise up intentional missionary disciples that are fully formed, they need to be both uh, pursuing holiness as well as their missionary heart. Ian, uh, last week we you had this brilliant idea of talking about um, the hierarchy of mm-hmm. what we want to teach people mm-hmm. during holiness. And so do you have something like that for mission again? Yeah, I wanted to throw this at you guys. So we talk about modeling attitudes, training skills, teaching knowledge, ASK, um, both on holiness and mission as people are growing in maturity. So it's taking a stab at just trying to give a little bit of a hierarchy of importance on the mission side of things. Now, the reason for my hierarchy, the reason why I kind of picked it in this order is because I think this is the bigger gap for most Catholics. So last week we kind of made, we did make the point that attitude is so important. The why behind everything you do is so important. But I think the bigger gap for most Catholics is in the area of skills. We when it comes to evangelization, we barely know how to open our mouth and start the conversation. So I put skills as number one with attitude number two and then knowledge third. What do you guys think? Mm. I'm going to disagree with you on this one this week. Um, <laughs> I was I'm, taking a risk. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> um, I, I would still say attitude at the top because I think that attitude is growing amongst Catholics, but there's still um, a probably a large majority of Catholics that don't realize that we have a universal call to mission Mm. and they don't, um, they don't realize that the church exists to evangelize, that that is, you know, we are missionary by nature and that that applies to each one of us. Mm -hmm. Perhaps not amongst those who are going to listen to this podcast, but if I'm thinking, you know, the, the wider population, I think that's still, to me, that's probably still the biggest gap that we need to, to bridge is just getting people to understand that actually it matters that every person has the opportunity to hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they have a right to that and that it is our duty to make sure that they have that opportunity. And then I would agree skills would be the next one for me because I agree here, like the, the next big gap is even amongst those of us who are familiar with the idea that we, we are supposed to evangelize and that we want to evangelize, but we don't know how. We wouldn't, we wouldn't know the first thing of what to say. And so then, yeah, I'd say the next thing is, is skills and knowledge would, would come last. And again, you're talking, uh, or to a certain degree, splitting hairs, but, yeah. uh, 
knowledge comes last just because you don't need to know a ton to be able to share the gospel yeah. uh, in a clear and simple way. It, it's it's always good to continue to grow and, and know more, but I, I would say out of the three, when it comes to the mission side, it might be the the least important, which is hard for me to say because I <laughs> love knowing stuff. <laughs> I love studying and, and, and growing in knowledge, so I, I almost have to bite my lip as I'm saying it, but I think that's the, the hierarchy for this one. Okay. I'm not going to, not, I don't want to belabor the point, but just to, just to play devil's advocate here. If we've done a good job through the thresholds and a person has a deep transformative encounter with Jesus, makes a decision to put him at the center of their lives uh, and is allowing him to transform them. I feel like that, like that's the pinch point that then enters them into holiness and mission. I think they probably have the attitude like if that if that transformation has been real, then the attitude is going to be there, and we need to just direct it. But I mean, again, quibbling, splitting hairs. Um, I think the attitude is most important. But I was kind of seeing it coming a little bit before we even start dealing with this. Yeah, and I, I think it was an interesting point you made, Michael, in that um, the knowledge side. I think unlike a lot of the the fears we have in terms of like, oh, if I need to be evangelist, I need to. I need to know the gospel through and through. I need to catechism through and through and like know all these things where in reality is like you actually to, to proclaim the gospel to clearly and simply and to invite others to Christ. You actually don't need to know a lot. You don't have to have a background in theology or like any sort of specialized knowledge in the area. It's actually quite simple to do. There's a, a book we would read and this will kind of, mm-hmm. I think probably take us into uh our, our stages here, but uh, there's a book we we used to have on our reading list for our staff. It was called Dedication and Leadership, and uh, it was long story short about it. I mean, it was uh, written by a guy who used to be one of the leading communists in the British Communist Party. And you can argue with them about you know how good that was, but he he had a, a conversion, and so he he took some of the recruitment strategies they had um, to engage people into communism and he said here how can we apply some of these in a in a proper way for the church and one that always stood out a little story he would share is that the first thing we, they would do if somebody showed any interest at all in the british communist party they would immediately hand them a stack of socialist newspapers and send them out onto the street and say try to sell these and the person would go out there and they'd stand there and they would get berated. They would have a hard time selling them. You know, it was not a popular thing to be standing there selling these socialist newspapers. Um, and we're talking probably in the 1950s, I believe, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. So right at the height, height of the Cold War, all those things, right? And so the person would immediately come back after selling it and they said, I did not. And, and people, of course, would some people would engage them in conversation and they come back and say, I don't know what to say. Teach me. And they'd say, great, we have a course coming up on, you know, next Tuesday night, you should be here. So instead of the first thing they did, you know, being saying, here, we have to teach you all these things about, you know, communism and socialism so that you're ready to have a conversation, they would just send them out. And then the people come back and say, please teach me because I don't have a clue what I'm doing. And that always struck me because it, it's, uh, it could be a, a useful model for us mm-hmm. as we, not that we're trying to throw people to the wolves when it comes to evangelization, but you're more motivated to to learn when you've tried something and it didn't work out the way you hoped it would um and and so that can that can be a motivator for us in yeah um, mm-hmm. in our training of people 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that leads us directly into the first uh, stage or threshold on the mission side of things, which is witness. In the pre-show, I remember who was who mentioned it, but with witness, as soon as they've had their conversion and they can roughly talk about it, send them out. Like yeah. they're 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 ready to evangelize right there. Absolutely, because they have a story to tell, right? They can talk about their own experience. They can talk about how they've encountered God and that it changed their life. And they may not know where to go from there, but they can still inspire someone with that story. Mm-hmm. And they can they can still be piquing interest, you know, and and curiosity in people just by sharing their story, especially with the people they know and maybe they've seen something happen and they don't really understand. And then they can they can share that, well, it was God. It was my encounter with Jesus Christ that changed my life. And that's why you've seen me acting different, talking different, doing different things, you know, going to starting to go to church, whatever those things might be that people are noticing. And, and you can start to, to talk about that. And that doesn't require a tremendous amount of training. And and I think it's it's important for us to know that, you know, many people feel like they are not ready to evangelize because they don't feel like they know enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have encountered the Lord, you have something to share and you should, Um, you should be out there and and sharing that with people. And that, um, again, we mentioned, I think in the, I think it's the last episode, you talked about the idea that people are more willing to listen to witnesses than teachers. And if they do listen to a teacher, it's because they have a, uh, they're a witness. Mm -hmm. Well, go out there and be a witness. You might actually be more effective than somebody who's just trying to teach um, because they see that what you have to share is real and authentic. I think it's an evangelical gaudium that the Holy Father makes the point that it's we don't they don't uh, a, a person doesn't need like long training and much formation to the extent that they have had an encounter with the Lord they have they can be missionary they mm-hmm. can be a strong witness and often it is actually the in terms of reaching the peripheries at least in my experience it's often the person who's fresh off just coming off the peripheries themselves that brings a few folks along with them. Because their friends know what they were like a few months ago, and they see the difference. Um, whereas if I was to go out there and, and say, hey, guys, like, you want to play some basketball? They'd be like, take your ball and go home. I don't know who you are. <laughs> you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't give me the time of day. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, a fresh convert, in a way, is one of our, the, the church's best assets for reaching the peripheries. Absolutely. Within the witness side of things, we have someone, they've just had a fresh conversion. We've sent them out. And what other things can we do to help them grow in mission at this stage? First thing, some people get this naturally, so you may not have to coach this at all, but it's just simply having conversations. (laughs) Um, Often there is an enthusiasm associated with a person's conversion. They just start talking to people about what's happened in their life. Uh, For others, that may not be as natural of a step, so coaching them on ways to just have how to broach the the conversation simple simple things as like asking your friends what did you do on the weekend and hoping for a a, a question back <laughs> like have to share oh you know i went to mass what do you mean you went to mass there's a conversation that can start there right that would be the first witness skill i think that you could you could pass on to them we talked about it on the on the holiness side as well i think a very uh, early on on the mission side uh, is sharing your testimony uh, or writing your testimony, coming to understand what did God do in my life? Because when people ask, why did you start going to mass? 
you know, that's a, a basic testimony would be really helpful in that conversation. And if you can help them get it down to, you know, a concise, clear uh, three minutes, it's very fruitful to, to spend the time just writing it all out, just getting it all out on paper could be a book length. <laughs> like, um, you know, if, if that's what the person needs to just kind of get out what the Lord has been doing in their life and really understand that, uh, and that's beautiful and fruitful and good. But as far as a tool for mission, uh, most people don't have three hours to talk to you about, about that or they're not that interested. So a three minute uh, version of just what was I like before? You know, what was I searching for? What was motivating me in my life? Where was God to me or who was God to me before? How did that change? You know, how, do, how did God show me through others, through encounters with him that he is, you know, the, the, uh, the fulfillment of all my desires? And how has that changed me? You know, it's very simple three parts. What, hap- what was I like before? How did God reach me and transform my life? And what am I like? What is, how is my life different now? And get that into three minutes. That's a great, uh, a great tool for them to have. I think the other big thing is solidifying their attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, solidifying that they understand that what's happened to them is meant to happen to everyone, you know, in broad strokes that the, they've encountered the Lord personally, and he wants to have that personal encounter with every single person. And that means that it's, it's on them to share. It's on them to, to engage other people, to evangelize. For some that will come really naturally that they will, their heart will be so on fire with what they've experienced that they can't help but share it. And that's a beautiful thing. We want to encourage that. But for others, that won't be the natural thing that, that pops up. And so, uh, or they might have some degree of it and, and it's, uh, it, we can help refine, you know, they, they kind of maybe have a general sense of, oh, man, that was really neat. Like somebody should know about that. And we can direct them and say, yeah, you're right. Somebody should, and you can tell them mm. and, and that that's okay. And not only just okay, but actually it's part of, who you now have become as a disciple of Christ. So I think just working with them on that so that they, that deep down inside, not only do they have this, is it imprinted upon their soul that they have a desire to know God themselves, that they have a desire to, to reach out to those who don't know the Lord either at all or don't know him as John Paul II would say well enough, mm. you know, that they just, they have this desire to want to go out and, and share with anybody who will listen. There might be some you need to temper, a little bit in that too, that they go a little bit too crazy and, <laughs> I, and they want to just tell everybody and, and it's maybe uh, a little bit of a shotgun effect and they're just trying, you know, spraying everywhere and hoping they hit something. And Pull actually, out the old uh, loudspeaker in the soapbox. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. And I, sometimes you have to help that person kind of just, again, refine that desire a little bit. Um, but for the most part, if they've got that sort of desire, I mean, that's hard to teach. So that's yeah. a beautiful thing. Let, let yeah. work with it. Yeah. It, it's a lot easier to rein someone back than to push someone forward. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And if you are in a situation where the person is is lacking motivation when it comes to mission, it's probably less productive to kind of berate them about that mm-hmm. or or call them on it even. More productive, I would say, would be to bring them with you in the opportunities you have in your life to witness and to evangelize so they can see People actually want this and need this. So this is a challenge. This is where intentional accompaniment is one of the best guarantees of your own growth. Because you may have to have a hard look at yourself and say, actually, what I'm telling you to do, I'm not doing right now. And I couldn't take you with me 
to witness to, you know, to, to a group of friends that maybe aren't, aren't Catholic, but we're going to look for opportunities to create spiritual conversations or, or what have you. So Lord, where do you want me to grow? What's my next step so that I can help, help my Timothy, uh, the guy that I'm helping and mentoring continue to grow as well. Thanks for listening to our show. I hope that this podcast is helping you deepen your relationship with Christ and better equip you to evangelize. If you have found this podcast has benefited you, please rate and review us on your podcasting app of choice. This will help us to reach new audiences and lead others to Christ. For those of you looking to accelerate your evangelical efforts, use the discount code podcast at store.cco.ca to receive 10% off your next purchase. That's podcast in all caps. You can find the code as well as the link to the store in the show notes to below. Now, back to the show. Mm -hmm. This is the witness stage. How, and it sounds like we're already starting to get into the proclaim a little bit in terms of getting them out there, showing them some ways. How do we know where that tipping point is? Because I'm sure it's different for everyone. Um, but like, what, what would be the defining characteristic of what separates someone in mm -hmm. the proclaim stage from the witness stage? What I love about, so on the holiness side, we talk about growing maturity, right? And the independence that they have. Um, so we're really holding their hand as a child. They're, they're growing in independence and making new connections as an adolescent. And then they're fully self-propelled as an adult on the wit, on the mission side. Um, I think the easiest, most natural, uh, thing to watch for is simply where are the people at that they are reaching out to. If they have somebody who's kind of biting on the witness, you know, they're kind of like, hey, that's really interesting. I want to learn more. You got a natural opportunity to then be like, hey, are you ready? Do you want to walk with this person yourself? You know, or is, is now the time for you to learn how to do what's been done for you and proclaim the gospel to this person? Um, so that might naturally lead into, into the training. And, and I would say that's the most fruitful way uh, is when people in their life uh, so helping them make those connections and move those conversations forward when they have people that they know personally and that they care about any further training, modeling, teaching on proclaiming the gospel will mean a lot more because it's connected to someone they love. Any other training, teaching, modeling in absence of somebody specific that they want to connect with could be academic. Now it could still be fruitful. And, and if that's what they're hungry for, I mean, by all means, carry on, but where their people are at, where the people they're reaching out to are at and the questions they're asking, I think will drive a lot of that on the mission side. And I think it'll come down to what they're asking for as well. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to see, I think in many cases, that somebody who begins to share just about their own testimony, you know, and kind of their own faith journey in general, uh, they're going to get to that point where they say, I want to be able to do this. Uh, like, what do I, you know, they start asking questions like, well, what do I say when someone says, well, explain to me what your relationship with God is. And now they, you know, that's an opening for them to be able to share the charisma. But if they don't know it, then they're going to ask, well, what do I say? You know, or when somebody says, why are you Catholic? You know, mm -hmm. and, and you know, they don't know how to answer that question. And that can either be that they prompt it, you know, and they say, I don't know what to do. Please show me, which is maybe your ideal situation, because that's like, uh, that's an intrinsic motivation that they have. Or, that you're seeing it as you're, you know, accompanying them and they're sharing stories. You're maybe even in those situations with them. And then you say, hey, so there was an opportunity there to be able to share the gospel in a clear and simple way. But I know you don't know what to say. And I would love to be able to show you how um, so that you're ready to kind of take the next step in your witness to people. Mm -hmm. 
so what are some things we can do to help like to help them share the gospel clearly and simply in those situations we see that their friends are starting to bite on the witness that they have and they're turning to us saying okay like this is great i'm really excited i'm not really sure what the next steps are like you can see they're trying something but there's a more effective way like what can we do to help build in mm-hmm. that to them charisma right like that's the that is the most important answer here is they I mean, I've talked to you know many different people who've worked in in ministry for years, and if you ask them like, so what do you do with somebody who's new? And and sometimes you get kind of a collection of different answers. I've heard people say, well, I I tell them about you know somebody says, well, why are you Catholic? I tell them about the Eucharist, right? I tell them about Mary. I tell them this is the church, Christ that church founded, and all those things are true and good and beautiful. But the underlying message that you know of why all those things matter is the charisma, mm-hmm. the basic message that. You know, and, and we use four points. You can summarize it in different ways. We use the, kind of the, the classic four point. We're clearly not the ones that came up with it, but we've been using this for 30 years that, you know, that we were created for a relationship with God, that, that that's that's why we exist and that he desires this relationship with us mm-hmm. and that that relationship has been broken and that started with Adam and Eve, but that comes down to each one of us as well in our own personal sin. And so we've made these mistakes and, and these failures in our own lives. That's broken our relationship with God. And that's why Jesus came. And then he lived. He went through his passion, his, his, his life, his death, his resurrection, so that our relationship with God could be reconciled. And that now that reconciled relationship is offered to each one of us. And we have a choice to make. Mm-hmm. That just because it's offered to you doesn't mean that you've accepted it. And that it's... It's just kind of sitting there, but it's not doing anything for you if you don't embrace it and take it into your own life. So there's a personal decision that needs to be made. And if we can solidify people on how to be able how to share this the charisma in short little bursts that carry the punch that it needs, Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time is easy to share and easy to listen to, that's going to be the foundation of of any witness, and that's going to prepare you. Um, for one-on-one conversations, that's going to prepare you to be able to to lead a small group. That can prepare you to speak to thousands. Yeah. You know? um, it, it's useful in any context. And and a lot of the programs that are out there, I think of our discovery study, our ultimate relationship booklet are two key tools that we use. And you know, other ministries have other great tools along those lines as well. But a lot of them have the charisma as their, as their basis. Um, and that's, if there's one thing people need to know, especially in this, as you move from witness to proclaim, that's the one thing we got to teach them. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the charisma clearly and simply with the four points, don't skip over that for the tools that communicate it. Cause I think when you're, when you're raising somebody up as a, as a missionary and, and helping them grow on this side here, you want to put all the cards on the table. You want to put all the tools in their toolbox. And when you can boil it down to simplest terms, then they recognize the most important parts of those other tools. Um, so we're created for a relationship. It's been broken through sin. Jesus restores our relationship. We have a choice to make. Now, if I share my testimony with somebody, I can do that in a charismatic way. I can show what was missing in my life, that relationship I was created for, and how it's missing and broken and through my own sin and, and the accumulated effects of just sin in the world lived in my life. Jesus restored me, he could restore you too, right? If you want, if you want something like this, you could, right? So you can bring the invitation part into your testimony, ultimate relationship, discovery, great resources. 
all of the CCO studies, this is a, this is a shameless plug, but all the studies have little pieces of very transferable concepts from the bridge analogy to the St. Catherine bridge analogy, the relationships diagrams, and later in commission, things like the two churches analogy, understanding people's perceptions versus the realities. And it's, there's a lot of simple little tools that can be shared here, depending on the situation a person's going through uh, and the conversations that they're having. So it's, uh, it's fun. It's exciting once you get into this stage for sure. Cause once they see transformation in people in their lives, I mean, there's nothing that motivates you more in mission than somebody you care about having their life changed by Christ. And that's where all of our evangelistic training needs to focus on people evangelizing people. All the tools, all the programs, they're all great, but if they're not facilitating a relationship between people and, and where you're are challenging people to make a decision for Christ, then we're going to miss the point. And, and that's where we need to, it, the kerygma just helps solidify that. And, and the church is very clear on that as well, that, that the kerygma is the, the core of everything the church teaches. Uh, and you can read any one of a number of church documents that'll back that up. But it's it's vital for us to be able to have people who understand the kerygma and understand how to proclaim it in a clear and simple way so that others can grasp it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for those of you listening who's like, okay, the kerygma, I understand, but like there needs to be more. The purpose of evangelization is to lead someone into an encounter and a relationship with Christ. There are certain aspects of theology or church doctrine which you do not need to touch on in order to lead someone to an encounter with Christ. That will come later. So, yeah, the kerygma, keeping that at the center will really help us stay focused on what our objective is with for these people that we're trying to lead into conversion and then provide the like the fertile soil so that once they've had the conversion, then you're setting you're setting yourself up for success post-conversion. Absolutely. And we're not talking here when we're talking about somebody in the, you know, the witness or the proclaim stage. We're not talking about people who are going to be, you know, directors of religious education or catechetical leaders or something like that. We're talking about people who are just for the first time beginning to share their faith with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you're right, Gerhard. Like all those other very important things about the beauty of our church's teachings and doctrines, they have their time and place and they we need to get to them for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have that that initial encounter with Christ and to experience conversion in your life, more often than not, that's not coming because you read Thomas Aquinas and and you know and had a, a deep, profound conversion through one of the the questions that he presented there. It's probably because somebody shared about Christ with you and and their life and how their life was changed, and you said, "I want that too." And you have this a deep, profound conversion that leads you to want to explore all those other things. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think another obvious potentially obvious thing that you could easily miss when you're journeying with somebody who wants to grow as a leader in holiness and mission. And we were, if you're listening to this podcast, I assume that's something that you want to do. And you're listening to a podcast about the intentional accompaniment framework. You might share that with the person you're accompanying because they want to grow as a leader as well. One of the most fruitful conversations I've had with people I've walked with uh, over the years is showing them the framework and inviting them to just reflect on where they're at. You know, where are you at in holiness? Where are you at in mission? And where do you want to, where do you feel God calling you to grow next? So that's an exciting part about the upper half, I think, as well, of the framework is that they are 
they're driving their relationship with the Lord forward. They've made a decision for Christ now. So you can share, put all the cards on the table and say, this is where I'd like to go with you. Like if you want to go and become like an intentional multiplying missionary disciple, let's do it and I can help, you know? So where are you at right now? Where do you, what do you think is a good, how can we come together to decide what a good next step is? And so in this particular instance where we're talking about proclaim and the importance of kerygma, it's also helpful to direct their attention to the thresholds, um, to understanding where the lost are at, uh, you know, on trust, curiosity, openness, and seeking. Because it's so quick that we forget the journey we just took. So quickly, we're just, we, we, we get into a space of, I don't know why they don't just get it. It's like, but you didn't just get it like a month ago, you know, <laughs> or, or a year ago or two years ago. We need to remember the journey that their people are on and help them understand that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the framework is this. We firmly believe is a, a secret sauce to success for evangelization. But we're not KFC. We don't want to lock the recipe away in a safe that only six people know about. We want to spread it so that the world can be renewed. Exactly. So we've built the Krigma into them. They have people that they're starting to are bite on their witness, mm-hmm. and you know they started to share the Krigma. They've led someone to conversion. After this, the next stage on mission is multiply. How do we see multiply play out? Mm-hmm. Well, like Michael said at the beginning, I think, now I'm going to get on your train. Attitude is so important. Um, yes. <laughs> you go. got me at the end. <laughs> um, but attitude is so important when it comes to multiplication and checking our ego at the door. And just practically speaking, it's practical and it's inspirational. From a practical perspective, you're never going to reach the whole world on your own right? Uh, it's 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. St. Paul didn't try to reach the whole world on his own. He reached Timothy and helped him be able to reach out to faithful people who'll be able to equip others as well. We take the same approach. If I was to reach a thousand people a day, but on my own, you know, I'd be an incredibly fruitful missionary. But if I can reach two people, you know, over the next two years, you can reach two other people. If you do the math within 42 years, it's 10 billion people. Uh, and it's also much more realistic then to say to this person you're walking with, you could reach two people in the next two years and that would make a, an impact, you know, on the salvation of mankind. So that's the kind of practical and you see how the inspirational starts to, to sneak in there. But I think you can, you got to cast that vision there too of like, who are the people this person could reach that nobody else will, you know, consider who has God put this person on the planet right now to reach because each of us it was cardinal uh, newman that said you know i have my mission you know nobody like god has created me for something specific you know in particular that he's created nobody else for uh, and the world will be less if i don't fulfill it it's true about the people you're reaching out to as well um, there's a beautiful thing you can call them into a lifelong beautiful journey of transformed lives you know of, of a chain of people coming to know christ that you could get to heaven and say, Jesus, look who's coming with me. Like it's, we got to pass on that attitude to the people we're proclaiming to. Uh, once they've had that conversion to see, there's a whole world of people you could reach. We'll talk about with, uh, you know, in that verse from Second Timothy, Paul mentions that he entrusts to Timothy um, the, the ministry of reaching other people who can reach other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we can talk then about the people that we're working with, especially in this multiplication stage that, we need to entrust to them the message and the mission. 
that they get entrusted with the message of the gospel, the kerygma, and and everything else that goes with it, but primarily the kerygma, um, and that it's also the the mission that has to get passed on, and and driving home that point that it's there's a, a quote that we've used many times. I think it was Father Tom Forrest that we knew it from. Maybe somebody else before him. I don't know. Um, and it's uh, the evangelization process is not complete until the evangelized is evangelizing others and being able to drive that home for people that in that multiply stage, you're not done yet. If that person's had a conversion, that journey has just begun. And now in the same way that somebody had to walk with you as you had your conversion, now it's your turn so that you can be able to help that person get ready to walk with other people. Uh, Cause if we just pass on the message then everything will stop. This, you know, we will run out of evangelists, and the the message will not get out because nobody's embracing the mission. And so we have to be very clear with people that conversion will bring holiness and mission. Mm-hmm. And so essentially, what you're doing with somebody multiply is you're you're basically flipping and saying, "So remember everything I've done for you. Your turn. Here you go. Like yeah. it started all over again. And it's now you need to get out there and replicate what's been done." And replicate in a way that the person you're going to build into will be able to eventually replicate what's been done for them through you mm-hmm. and and then keep that chain going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I was, I want to just throw in a, a point here too. When we're with this next generation mindset in mind, because we're not just considering how can I reach this person effectively and what's the best for our relationship right here, right now. We're thinking about that. We're praying about that. It's very important. But we also want to consider this person is going to become an evangelist, a missionary, a multiplier as well in their own turn. And not everybody they reach out to is exactly like them. And not everybody they connect with is exactly like me. So systems and like tools like understanding the kerygma in four clear points. Maybe you really want to do a six-point version of the kerygma, but whatever it is, make sure it's clear and that they catch it because that'll be what they'll teach to somebody else. If it's convoluted and it's really fun to like romp in the depths of our faith, it's great. It's beautiful. But we need to have those clear, simple pieces that could survive being passed on kind of word of mouth generation to generation. Otherwise, it's going to die out really quickly because not everybody can do it the exact way you did it or Mm -hmm. the exact way that I would do it. So having those kind of pieces that are very clear, communicable, pass them on. Excellent. So uh, we are running down on time. Is there any last words that either of you would have in relation to mission? Attitude first. (laughs) I win. (laughs) Mic drop. Yeah. No, I would just say um, an encouragement again, like the people you are reaching out to, they have the potential to do greater things than you could ever have imagined for yourself or for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and to believe that when you're reaching out to somebody to, to see the future through them, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'd often talk about the idea of you, when you're working with a student, you're working with them to reach the people that you won't reach yourself, but that they will reach in a sense on your behalf mm-hmm. or that you will reach through them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your mindset is not just with the person who's in front of you, but if we really want to build a missionary out of this person, we have to think about who will this person reach. And so always looking at this person saying, I can reach the world through you and not just having that in your mind, 
but saying that to them. Mm-hmm. Let's go reach the world together. Mm-hmm. I will reach the world through you. Mm-hmm. Just like somebody reach, is reaching you through me, I'm going to reach out to the people that you know through you. And you need to do the same. Yeah. And we need to keep this going. And if we can instill that in people, then we will see the world change. I mean, that's how the world changed. That's how the the church went from a few guys in Jerusalem to changing an entire empire that ruled most of the known world in just 300 years or so give or take and uh, and so you know we we can do that as well we can we can begin to have that sort of impact but we have to have the attitude that we're going to start with one person or maybe two yeah. um and that you're going to work through them not just to reach them but to reach others through them uh maybe just to reorient our gaze here again as we've mentioned along the way the uh the framework is describing their journey towards christ uh, and so we remember all the way along that it's christ that's calling them it's christ that desires this maturity and fullness for them and so uh, just a reminder for all of us as we're accompanying others make sure we've got that clear in our minds that uh, as much as our own desires come into play and we want to see the this person become everything that they can be christ desires it way more than we do uh, and we're passing on his call to them thanks for joining myself michael and ian today for our conversation on mission if you'd like to know more about intentional accompaniment you can find a link to our intentional accompaniment booklet in the show notes below if you have any questions comments queries quandaries conundrums or otherwise please email us at podcast at cco.ca Once again, I'm your host, Gerhardt, and you're listening to the Missionary Disciple Podcast by Catholic Christian Outreach. Until next time, God bless.